0: You're listening to Look At My Records, this is episode 187, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of the podcast, I spoke with prolific California-based songwriter Austin Leonard Jones. For the last decade plus, Jones has released a string of great albums and EPs that explore lo-fi pop, psychedelia, surf rock and country. His songwriting journey is chronicled through his most recent release, The Wonder Years of Austin Leonard Jones, Volume 1 and 2, a double-cassette retrospective that compiles some of his standout tracks from 2010 to 2018. Released via the Perpetual Doom label, the compilation showcases Jones' evolution as a lyricist and musician, as the characters in his songs gradually take on greater depth while his music becomes more textured and varied in style as the compilation progresses. During our interview, we chatted about how Jones made the move from Texas to California a few years ago, how his creative relationship with engineer-musician Will Patterson has shaped the sound of his music, what it was like recording his next album digitally after working with tape exclusively, the process behind curating a retrospective compilation, and more. Plus, Jones picked some awesome records from my collection including choice cuts from Kevin Ayers, Bob Dylan, The Bats, and more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com.
1: All
0: right. Welcome to another episode of Look at My Records. I'm here with the great Austin Leonard Jones. Austin. How are you doing? Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm good. You just released a compilation. It's kind of a best of, a collection, a retrospective of some of the music you've released between 2010 and 2018. It's called The Wonder Years of Austin Leonard Jones, Volume 1 and 2. Everyone, you can get it. Via the great label Perpetual Doom, perpetualdoom.bandcamp.com. Before we get into the compilation, it's really a great, extensive collection of great songs that you've released over the last decade ish. But before we get into that, the compilation kind of starts out with music you released in 2010. What were you doing before that time musically? Were you involved in different bands and projects? Was that really the first time you started writing songs as a solo artist?
2: No, uh, I was writing songs, but I was not releasing them. I, I was in, uh, I started playing music as a kid, as a teenager. Uh, in San Antonio, Texas and, uh, s- continued to play in bands with friends and write songs for my own enjoyment. But it wasn't until 2010 that I made the decision to only, uh, be myself and, and yeah. And so
0: what changed should... around that time that you decided you wanted to now release only as yourself
2: getting older? Uh, I was 27 and uh i wasn't really interested in the music i was playing with my friends uh you know kind of indie rock things and uh uh kind of generic sounding you know music that sounded like it could be from anywhere played by anyone uh just didn't really fit me or the things i liked or the things i wanted to talk about some of the bands i played didn't really have anything to talk about uh and so it was. Uh, it was kind of my my ultimate act of rebellion was to to quit everything and just be myself.
0: Very cool. Yeah, and then you released your first uh, solo record around that time. Superstitions. Yes, where the first couple of tracks from this compilation come from. So you mentioned before we got on the mic that you relocated from Texas to California. I did. How did you think that changed your songwriting and your music, uh, if at all? Um,
2: I don't know if it affected the songwriting as much. Well, it, it affected songwriting. The fact that it affected my day-to-day life. I'm happier out here. I, I really love it out here. I'm inspired. Uh, I'm uh, interested, curious about California. You know, I I was uh, I wasn't born in Texas, but I, I grew up there, starting from when I was very young, and so this is new to me. And uh, I think that's important as a songwriter to keep fresh, keep things new, go new places, be around people you don't know, put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And so I came up to a really small town uh, where I didn't know anyone. And uh, I, I think in that sense, it helped songwriting immensely because it's just every day is a, a new experience, almost.
0: Yeah. Do you find yourself seeking others out in your new surroundings? Because it seems like a lot of your songs, they have these characters in them. Sometimes they uh, do. Based on people that you meet, uh, going out and around in your. They story. are.
2: Y- yeah, they, they are, and and uh, they're also composites. They're also fictional. Um, uh, I'm a big reader, and so a lot of those, you know, I think that's just how characters work. Uh, you know, some of it's you, some of it's someone else, some of it's another person. Uh, But there are lots and lots of very uh, funny California, um, R. Crumb, Zap Comics type characters wandering around uh, Thomas Pynchon type, uh, you know, the, the, the co-creator of the television show Twin Peaks is from the town that I live in. And this show, this, this town kind of feels like a Twin Peaks, uh, of, oh, wow. of, of California yeah
0: that sounds pretty nuts That yeah 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 so <laughs> like the show twin pigs
2: <laughs> yes yeah Mark Frost is his name and he lives in this town and uh I think he got some inspiration from here as well
0: that's very cool very very cool so did did your so did the last record that you put out cujo that's a record you released in 2018 that's part of this compilation and it's the last record you put out was were those sets of songs inspired by your experiences living in california Was that still a, a yeah. Texas record? I, I hadn't left yet that was i think i left right when that was done
2: um but i had in between and spent a lot of time up here uh i lived for a year in topanga canyon but i, I would say most of the characters and songs on that album uh were probably texas related and focused cool
0: so, putting together this compilation, there's a lot of tracks on it. How'd you go about curating the songs that would appear on this retrospective double cassette?
2: Uh, my friend Will uh, Patterson and I, who's who's been with me since day one uh, uh, with the recordings, we just kind of went through and picked our favorites, yeah, and and kind of uh, compared notes. Uh, if there was one he thought should go on there, we threw it on there. Just pick the favorites, really.
0: Yeah, was there any anything beyond that overarching that you kind of wanted to convey through the songs you selected, or was just um, um, the songs you thought were the best, or the two of you thought were the best representation of your work from that time period?
2: I, I guess I was looking at it as an introduction of sorts, because I, I, have, I have, you know, including... Uh, seven inches and splits there's like 10 albums and so it's it's hard to get people to go back and listen to these things um so it was a way to pick all my favorites and have them in one package i was also thinking of uh like truck stops and country singers you know you go to a truck stop in new mexico or arizona and there'll be a george jones tape with 25 george jones songs on it that are all you know classics and uh I, I wanted that convenience uh, of you know your favorite singer on uh, and and all, all the songs up to a certain point on one tape
0: yeah and they're all really really great tracks I've been enjoying diving into thank you collection of tunes I'm wondering in reflecting on the songs on the compilation they're presented in a linear manner it's Starts with songs from your earliest release, Superstition, and ends with stuff from Cujo. Uh, how do you think you've evolved as a songwriter from, say, earlier tracks like Burning Canoe and World Stage to more recent songs like Mexican Cat Dance and Dream Street? It seems like it got you got a little more experimental as time went yeah. on. You could even hear a big difference from Superstitions to uh, Pacific daylight, which I think came right after. Yeah.
2: uh, A few years after. Yeah. I, I guess with, with each one, there's a bit of confidence. Uh, at that time I was averaging an album a year. So there's the age and the growth. Um, you know, there's a big difference between 27 and, uh, you know, 37, 30, so 36, uh, I think just doing it more and more, just, uh, Growing that conf- getting that confidence built up and, and my uh, they just kind of naturally progressed as I did it, it, the songs are just an extension of what's going on in my life so uh, if I, if I'm feeling better and and doing pretty good the songs will will reflect that
0: and what about your songwriting process because you're so prolific it seems like... Being able to churn out this amount of content, uh, this amount of quality content and songs in such a short period of time, are you the type of person that is basically always writing songs, or do you find yourself still needing to carve out time to do it and stay really focused on it, or is it just something that comes naturally for you on a day to day basis?
2: Um, it, it's pretty natural, it's it's uh. You know, obviously, if there's something in my life that's not going well, it does. It's not doesn't flow as easily. Songs are fun for me, and uh, it's it's not an arduous or or, or torturous process. So I, I would say it's it's pretty natural. It's it's a it's a day to day thing. Uh, sometimes a bit more uh, intense than other times, um, but. Uh, yeah, I would say it's pretty
0: natural. Has that changed, too, since you started releasing uh, songs under your own name, your songwriting process, say, within this eight-year period that the compilation covers? Uh, has it changed much for you since 2010, your your process as far as songwriting?
2: I'm not sure. Uh, uh, maybe it has, but I, I wouldn't be able to tell you how. Um, y- yeah, um... I'm probably. I think back then I was a lot more spontaneous with what I was saying, and I probably spend more time uh, carving out the lyrics now. Uh, and, and I used to, uh, things didn't get edited out very much. The lyrics would go from. Yeah, now I, I do a lot more crossing out.
0: What Why do you think that changed for you? Why do you think you decided to take more of an emphasis on fine tuning your lyric? You can hear that on a lot of the songs that it does sound like you, you place a strong emphasis on uh, crafting narratives and fleshing out characters in your music. So it doesn't seem like something that you would just do stream of conscious and then be done with it.
2: Yeah, I, I, I that's how it used to be. And then the characters started to want uh, to do more and have more to say, I guess. And so I would spend more time uh, carving that out and having something specific to say, uh, I guess it's also just like I said. I keep mentioning getting older, but you know, the older I get, the 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 more I want to have these things stick out and, and spend more time on the lyrics and stuff like that. And also, like I said, just coming from a uh, I, before songwriting, the things I wanted to be was a novelist or a cartoonist, and so I think this is like a combo of those two worlds where I can make like a cartoon world with, with words.
0: (laughs) And uh, well that's really interesting that you were interested in being a cartoonist or a novelist. So then what, what attracted to you about what was attractive to you about songwriting that made you realize I can get so much out of it that I get out of these different artistic mediums as well.
2: Yeah, that's tough. Um, You know, I I think we played the the cards were dealt and I didn't get dealt the cartooning hand. Uh, I'm not a a great I I draw, but I'm not great at it. Um, I don't have the the patience to write a novel, but I (laughs) love. Yeah, but I love chords and and I do love words. And I found, you know, I, I, I had an early interest in poetry and uh major chords in the guitar and uh, country music I think country music might have been the biggest bridge because it was narrative songwriting uh, and simple music uh, and and that was one of my besides you know punk rock, my earliest musical influences um, and both of those are very you know simple music uh, with sometimes uh, uh, a heavy emphasis on the language. so it just fit.
0: Yeah, that's another cool point, too, because I talked to a lot of different artists and musicians who then, you know, initially after being maybe exposed to to punk or indie rock, which sounds like you dabbled in a little bit of both, then find that they really discover and have a strong appreciation for country music. When did that happen to you and what was your first exposure to country music like and when did you realize that? you know, this is a really interesting.
2: Oh, day one, I would think my parents are fans. Grandparents are fans. Um, you know, we had all those albums in the house, listened to them a lot in the house. Uh, my friend's parents were fans, you know, everybody had a Willie Nelson story, uh, in San Antonio or Austin. Uh, so they were just kind of there from day one. Uh, I, there wasn't a time when I was like, oh wow, I like this music. It was always there. But, uh, the the punk thing was was like a you know just like all kids preteen, twelve years old, thirteen years old.
0: So, over the course of the eight year period that you recorded the songs that appear on the compilation, I believe you basically have recorded everything you've done to tape. Is that correct? I have yes. I have. So what what about that medium appeals to you, and do you think it's a necessary component to your sound? Or could you see yourself working in the digital realm at some point?
2: Well, I, I have actually, the, the, the next album was recorded digitally. That comes out next, comes out ne- next year. Um, and, uh, it, it led me to believe that I don't think it matters that much. I think I, we did it. We use this tape machine right here behind me, um, because it's fun. Uh, it's, it's really fun. It's really, uh, I'm not that interested in computers. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't have a technical mind, but a tape recorder almost becomes a member of your crew. Uh, it's like a living thing. Um, and uh, it's just a lot of fun to work with. I really do love the way they sound. But after recording digitally, it, I did kind of come to this conclusion that uh, it's maybe not necessary, but you won't have... It definitely was not as much fun. When everybody's staring at it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, something about everybody's staring at a computer screen. It's not as inspiring, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's important, I think, you know, because you want to hear the sound of fun and uh, people enjoying themselves. And uh, uh, something about having a tape recorder around kind of helps that.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, that that's interesting now that you're this next record. any Was it a situation with your next record that's coming out next year? Was it a situation that was tape involved at all? Because I know some people have like started with tape, then like mm-hmm. bounced it to digital and then back or whatever. Yeah. Was, was there tape involved at all or no, not at all?
2: No tape involved. We, we recorded it during uh, January of 2021. So this is right in the middle of COVID. I mean, we're still in the middle of COVID. Uh, but uh, so we had to do a lot of times people couldn't all be in the same room together. So there was, we started on the computer and then we'd have to send it around to people around Texas and California to fill it up. Uh, so it was just a remote digital project.
0: And so it was kind of out of necessity. So <laughs> exactly. that wasn't really like, oh, you wanted to try it? It was kind of like, I have yeah,
2: to? Exactly, yes. We, with the plan before the, plan before the uh, pandemic hit was we would all be in a room together with a tape recorder uh, in Texas over the Christmas break. Um, But then once it started to get pretty serious, um, we decided it would be a better idea to to take the precautions in mind.
0: So earlier you mentioned your friend and collaborator, Will Patterson. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've worked with him on, I guess, almost all of your releases. I know he definitely engineered uh, Galveston, Utah Jazz, and your most recent full-length Cujo. What's your creative Relationship like with him? How'd you meet? And uh, what brings you back to uh, what makes you want to continue to work with him?
2: Well, we grew up together. Our parents grew up together. So he's family, basically. Um, I've known him my whole life. Uh, That makes it really easy to work with him. He's one of my best friends, but uh, he's an incredibly gifted musician and has an incredible ear. He's incredibly tech savvy. He can use uh, computers he can use tape recorders um he's can uh, play a piano very well he's multi-instrumentalist uh but i think mainly it's our friendship it's the fact that i i love him and i i know him very well and i've known him uh you know like i said my whole life i know his brothers his sisters parents and they're all part of you know my family basically and uh that's, you know, how I like to keep things is sort of a, a, a family operation of, of close friends and family, because then that c- also comes through on the tape and he, he gets my humor. He knows me. So he's he's, you know, easy to work with.
0: Yeah. So when I was listening to the record, uh, the the tape and then also reading about him and reading more about you, I read he also scores a lot of films and some of the yeah. songs are really really nicely textured i yeah. think my favorite track is surf motel just a beautiful, yeah. textured textured track so what do you think he does he bring that kind of ability to you know flesh out a track like that to your recording sessions as far as ideas and contributing different instruments what does he bring to the recording process?
2: Uh, yeah, he's got—he's definitely full of ideas. Um, he's very passionate. He loves uh, what we're doing, and um, maybe some of that composing does come into play uh, because he does know how to uh, uh, make things pretty. And uh, you know, he works—he—he uh, he has worked a lot with some extremely talented filmmakers. Uh, probably the most notable one is Terrence Malick. And so he knows what he's doing, uh, and uh, I just trust him, and he's able to just kind of you know take it to town.
0: You recorded Utah Jazz. Is that his studio, Blackland Hall? At first, yeah. I thought it was a big hall, but the- it is. <laughs> it,
2: it is a dance hall. Yeah, yeah. It, it was that was the studio we ran together, um, and it was in an old converted 100 year old dance hall uh, in Copeland, Texas, which is about an hour um away from Austin. Uh and we ran that place together and we made a bunch of albums there. But yeah, that's where Utah
0: Jazz was done. Oh, that's cool. So what was that like? R- worked on other people's albums as well there? What were those experiences? <laughs> well but that was mostly him.
2: Uh we we I, I used the studio mainly for my own stuff, but he recorded a lot of other bands out there. Um but I really love that building and I miss it a lot. I don't know Who's who has it right now, but we rented it for about a couple of years.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I mean, got a great sound out of it on Utah Jazz.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a, you know, really old building with huge tall ceilings. I mean, it's, it's a it's a very real Texas dance hall.
0: So something I was also curious about is, you know, many of these tracks on the compilation appear on other releases over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them, key to their charm is that warm lo-fi sound and aesthetic, but you remastered the tracks for this compilation. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, what goes into the process of remastering songs where you kind of don't want to necessarily kill that? aesthetic and sound completely you know that like by yeah. warm sound
2: yeah I, that's it was a bit technical and so i didn't understand what we were doing uh, uh but i think what we did was just made them a little bit more audible turned maybe turned up the volume a little bit and and, and uh but other than that I, I i think we just made them a bit more present uh a lot of a lot of those mixes were just me going directly from the tape to a computer. Um, So they were never technically mastered ever. Uh, So I think it gave give them a chance to just do that and be a bit louder, uh, a bit more, uh, just something different than the older ones to differentiate them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did uh, this come together with Perpetual Doom? Great label, and it's so cool that they have put out this compilation. Did they approach you about releasing a compilation? how that idea come about?
2: I think that came through, I think he ter- heard about me through my art friend, Kyle Field, who I've toured with. And uh, uh, he's Little Wings is his project name. And he's my friend. And uh, Kyle was putting out a bunch of stuff with Lou, uh, who, who runs Perpetual Doom. And then Lou got in touch. And I think I, he said, well, what do you, Working on, and I said I have these, you know, uh, double album retrospective, and uh, he was on board, and we just went to town.
0: Yeah, and tell me the the double cassette, great packaging, and it also comes with a book. Yeah, called Dead Ends. Right, tell us a little D- bit. Deep ends. Deep ends. Yes, you got it right here. All done. <laughs> Deep ends. Yes. So tell me a little bit about there's little poems in here. Yes. Uh, there's photos as well. There's some drawings. Yes. It also comes with this great sticker set as well. Tell me a little bit about what's in here. Well, the, the stickers that, that was Lou's idea. Um, great idea. Lou. It was a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> it
2: really was. And, uh, um, I think it was just something to, to go along with. There it is with those tapes. Uh, I I, The poems are stuff I've been writing since I moved here, and I just collected uh, 30 of my favorites, kind of like we did with those songs, and made this little zine. Uh, But I'm very happy with it. I'm very uh, excited that he was interested in doing that too.
0: How do you separate, say, lyric writing from poetry writing? I'm always curious about this with musicians that also uh, distinguish their own poetry from lyric writing. Mm-hmm. Is, do, do they overlap at all at any time or do you keep them pretty separate?
2: No, I, I, I would think if if it sounds like it should be a lyric it, or it could be a lyric, it should be one. So yeah, so they're they're they feed off of each other. Um, I, I don't think I've had a specific instance where a line of, of of verse has made it into a song, but I think it will eventually, but they're they're brother and sister basically
0: twins so for this compilation do you have a favorite song or two or one that stands out that you're really uh proud of of songs you've recorded over the last decade that you really if you had to pick one or two to tell people to check out uh which ones would they be um
2: you know i do like surf motel very much because
0: yeah it's a great song i really like yeah
2: thank you very much thank you yeah i i I like that because it we, you know, I was, I love the Beach Boys and Mike Love, and, uh, it was kind of a homage to, to that, to those guys and that kind of California, uh, sound. And so I'm very proud of that. Uh, the Utah jazz stuff, I'm really proud of, uh, because we kind of set out to make a genre, uh, and kind of combining, uh, Northern Mexico, uh, folk music and punk rock, um, uh, I'm part of the whole damn thing, but but definitely is the the those ones stick out as being really good.
0: Yeah, the Utah Jazz album is great too. I really thank you, really thank you that as well. So you alluded to the fact that you do have a record coming out next year. Yes, you recorded it. Sounds like mostly remotely. Uh, what was that like for you at first, since you? been very used to recording with friends and loved ones in the same room was that challenging for you at first or were you able to adapt to it relatively it was
2: very challenging very challenging i was i did not enjoy it at first and i didn't think it was going to work uh but uh i held in there and uh uh we forged something out of it it was insanely different um I I, I couldn't say I'd recommend it or that I'd want to do it again. But, um, we, uh, we got through it and it sounds really good, but you know, it's just not as fun to, to, to have your friend, you know, a week later send you what he did as opposed to sitting there with them. And then also you just don't get to see your friends, you know, so we weren't really hanging out. It was just very isolating. Uh, but we, 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 managed to do it and it was very strange. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess, you know, it's the days we're living in.
0: So for people that listen to this compilation and then want to check out the record that's coming out next year, what, what can they expect? Similar to where you left off with Cujo, or are you heading in a different direction? What can people expect to hear?
2: Well, um... Uh... There's a guy on the record named Jesse Siebenberg, who is an amazing pedal steel player. So we made like a real authentic country record. Um, And, uh, you know, I really based it off of specifically records from the 80s. uh, George Strait, some 80s George Jones, um, T.G. Shepard, guys like that. And we kind of made like an 80s country record. Uh, My plan was that I wanted it to be an album you could hear uh, on the speakers of a gas station while you're filling up your car on a Friday night before the football game. And I think we succeeded in that, but uh, it, you won't be able to find out till next year.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that's a very specific sound. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sounds like What made you want to make a record that sounds like that? Just growing up listening to that kind of music. And
2: I've, I had always wanted to, but it, it's very hard to make that kind of music because you need somebody that you need people that play piano uh, like a country person can, or the pedal steel, you know, it's a very specific sound. And I didn't really know people who could do that. But there's a guy out here, my friend, Jesse Siebenberg, he's an extremely talented session guy uh, and, and uh, musician on, on his own. And he was able to just kind of deliver that sound to me. Uh, and so he uh, just knocked it out of the park.
0: Nice. How'd you two uh, connect just from living in the neighbor? <laughs> yeah,
2: neighborhood. Yeah, he's friends of friends. Uh, uh, some. Uh, it's a very small town. I, I Actually, when I got here, I didn't think I would meet a single musician, but I've, I've met several. <laughs> um, so they are out here and uh, some pretty good ones, too.
0: That's great. Very, very cool. It's all awesome, awesome stuff. The compilation is great. Everyone, it's called The Wonder Years of Austin Leonard Jones, Volume 1 and 2. Out now on cassette via Perpetual Doom. You can get it at perpetualdoom.bandcamp.com. Also comes with this lovely book of poetry uh, called Deep Ends and a sticker set as well. Uh, Tell me about the cover art on the cassette. It's really cool. One is Dallas. Uh, from the TV show Dallas. Yes. And then I'm not sure who the other guy is. That's Merle Kilgore. is uh, a country singer.
2: Yeah. And my friend Sam Sanford painted those uh, just based on an idea I had. I also like the idea that if I commissioned him to do a painting, I'd get to keep the art and have paintings for my house. And so that was the idea in that, that I, I those were paintings I would hang in my home.
0: Cool. Yeah, they're great paintings. It must be very cool to have the actual paintings of these two
2: well he has not sent them to me yet (laughs) so we can we can pull that out now and tell him to do that because it's 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 been it's been like six months i paid him money you know he's just lazy at this point
0: (laughs) hey send those paintings send those paintings now yeah Now, (laughs) God damn it. He needs them in his... I do. I really do. You got a little space behind the tape deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For where it'll go. It's literally waiting for him. All right, everyone. Now we're going to play some songs from Austin's new release, The Wonder Years of Austin Leonard Jones, Volumes 1 and 2. We're going to hear Burning Canoe. These are also in chronological order. So we're going to hear Burning Canoe, Appaloosa, Surf Motel, a favorite of both mine and Austin's, and DB's Dream. Dream.
3: up on a burning canoe and I I got nothing
0: I'm here with Austin Leonard Jones everyone again the wonder years of Austin Leonard Jones volume one and two the retrospective compilation available on cassette now via the great perpetual doom you can get it via perpetualdoom.bandcamp.com. comes with the great deep ends book and a cool sticker set as well now austin picked some records from my record collection we're gonna talk about them and play them
2: that's Starting exciting
0: with yeah I'm, I'm pumped from lodi new jersey i'm here in jersey city new jersey the misfits yes we are 138 from static age you got a couple of 1978 records to start out here. So tell me a little bit about why you picked this track and this album by the Misfits.
2: They're one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, one of my first bands I found on my own that I I, I just felt in love with. Um, that song in particular is one of my, the first ones I ever heard. There's not many words to it, which is kind of great. Um, I think Glenn Danzig's a real poet. I saw him on an airplane recently from L.A. to Austin. Uh, he's tiny. He's so small, and uh, I just think he's a real, real American poet. And 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 uh, you know, you don't have to be very smart to be a good songwriter.
0: <laughs> and he he's proved, he proves it. He's a great songwriter. Did you say anything to him? I feel like man, I. I no i i, I was
2: going to be very respectful and just tell him you know mr danzig you mean a lot to me i'm a huge fan uh he was toward the front of the plane it was southwest airlines and then when when we landed he was like the first guy off and no luggage he was not in the the baggage claim so he was gone forever and he had a handler like a guy in a misfit shirt and yeah, and I was I was going to be very respectful. I was I wasn't going to give him any reason to be angry. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't say anything about him being short. I wouldn't say anything about you know. I, I just wanted to shake his hand and let him know how much I, I appreciate him.
0: That's an interesting encounter. Wow, <laughs> you saw Glenn Danzig on an airplane.
2: I did. Yeah, yeah. It, very recently <laughs> So lifelong achievement on that one.
0: No Time to Think by Bob Dylan off of Street Legal, another album released in 78.
2: Yes, Uh, that's another one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. Uh, I've realized if you're a Bob Dylan fan, a lot of times as you grow up, your taste in Dylan's music kind of grows with you. I'm I'm now in in my late 30s, and I'm listening to Christian Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan in the 80s, uh, his later career, stuff that I didn't listen to in my 20s.
0: same. I have rediscovered. I mean, I, I remember listening to this record like a very long time ago, and now really uh, getting back into it recently. Even Infidels is great. That's an '85 Dylan record. So good. Um, it's all overlooked. I feel like
2: no, he was, he, was he, get, he gets better. I mean, and he's he's still out there doing it. But that that one's a particular favorite. I really love that song in general. It's, it's got some great clarinets and stuff. Totally.
0: Empire Burlesque 85. All yeah. Great.
2: All great stuff.
0: Time Out of Mind 90s. Yes.
2: So good. Yeah, I'm a huge fan so I saw that on your list and had to throw that in there. Good, good selection.
3: It makes you feel violent. And
0: Kevin Ayers shouting in a bucket blues from Banana Moore. Getting a little proggy with yeah. you good. I love yeah. Kevin Ayers and all the Canterbury scene. Friends. Me too.
2: Yeah, huge into that stuff. Uh, Kevin is a big hero. Um, uh, the Soft Machine is one of my favorite bands. And uh, he was my favorite member of the Soft Machine. And uh, I love his... He's eccentric, he's himself you know, similar to my own stuff, I like to make every record kind of its own individual strangeness and he was kind of a proprietor of that it, uh, an individualist
0: Huge individualist for sure Where I'd like to be
1: But it's selfish as can be And I know it And if I sorry for myself. I'm sorry for you too.
0: Another eccentric band, crazy band, half Japanese. Strip for Cash from Music to Strip By, released in 1987.
2: Yes, another one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, Jad Fair is a Hero. And uh, this is just an insanely great band. And this song in particular is one of those ones that really kind of energizes me. Um, I just think that they're fantastic. They really are the band that would be king. Uh, and uh, long may they run. They're still out there, too.
0: Yeah. So, do you look at any of, of bands like or artists like Kevin Ayers and Half Japanese? It's not an influence that I think immediately jumps out to, Uh you know, someone like me, someone, I'm not a musician. You know, I hear your music. It's not like something that I immediately think of as like an influence. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you look to them as influences and how they influence your, your music?
2: Um, I, I, they influence me in ways that, uh, uh, I think of the honesty of the recording, the, the having fun, um, uh, not taking it too seriously, not agonizing over every little thing that you do. Uh, but I would think people like half Japanese are much more of an influence, uh, than I don't know what people would think I would be influenced by like James Taylor or something. I don't listen to him, but
0: I, <laughs> no, I, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but they are, but yeah, they, they.
2: I think in their aesthetic, the way they handle things, the honesty, the openness, uh, the humor, it's, it's all, you know, very much staples into what I want to do as well.
0: Mekons next, Wild and Blue from the Curse of the Mekons
2: yeah, this is another one of my favorite bands of all time, this is great because you had so many of those on there Um, I chose this one because it's a cover song of a country song by John Anderson and who's also a great songwriter in his own right, and I love that I think the song had been out that long when they recorded it, when they covered it just a couple years and just that acknowledgement from across the pond of these English punks to Nashville uh, in the '80s, uh, and it's a great cover. And I saw them play right before a pandemic, and they ended the encore with that song. Wow! Yeah, man. what a treat! What it really was. They're just the, the greatest thing to see, and I, I had never seen them before, and it was the one of the best concerts i well, would ever seen for sure. Take a look
0: Next, Eugene Chadbourne with Camper Van Beethoven. Reason to believe off of Camper Van Chadbourne. Yes, and another
2: cover, this time covering uh, uh, Tim Harden. And I like that. And the other reason I chose is because Camper Van Beethoven is a a favorite band. But also, uh, the last show I played before pandemic was with Eugene Chadbourne.
0: Oh wow! What hey, was that like for you? That was amazing.
2: He's a hero, and I loved meeting him. I loved getting to hear him play. He's everything I wanted him to be. Uh, very nice man. Uh, it's it's. I like meeting the older guys like that because you can kind of see yourself in there at some point. You know, he's been doing this for forty years or something like that. And we played up here, and uh, we I got to ask him about that record because Camper Van Beethoven's a California band. Yeah, a- and. Uh, it's just a really phenomenal cover and a phenomenal duo of of Chadbourne and Camper Van Beethoven's a great combo. I
3: find a way to leave the past behind. No man, oh yeah. I lie straight faced while I cry. Still I love to find
0: a reason to believe
3: someone like
0: last but not least, this is one of my favorite records of all time, Take It Off by the Bats off of Daddy's Highway. I actually yes. got to interview the Bats last year, uh, which was uh, awesome.
2: I saw that. I saw that. That's one of the things that got me excited to do this. And that's another reason I chose it. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the music, I was born in Auckland, New Zealand in 1980. Oh, wow. Yeah, in, in the early 80s. So I've always had this affinity uh, for music from New Zealand from the early 80s. And it happens to be, you know, the clean, the tall dwarves, the bats, toy love, Chris Knox are all some of my favorite stuff. And, uh, so they, they had to get on that list too.
0: Did you live in New Zealand for part of your childhood or were you just born and left? I was just born and
2: then left. And then when I turned about 17, a friend of mine, knowing that I was into New Zealand, I hadn't been since I'd been born. Uh, I, I, we've gone on tour then since. But he gave me the clean anthology on CD and just blew my mind. And from then, I just dove into all those other acts of the Flying Nun roster. Uh, And the bands that I mentioned were the ones that really stuck as being uh, favorites.
0: Yeah, this is an incredible album.
2: It really is. Just amazing songwriting, uh, uh, you know, stuff that you think should be more popular uh, all over the world.
0: Totally. And I hope the bats come back to the States soon. Yes. The Chills came a couple of years ago and they played here in Jersey City and in New York City as well.
2: When I was on tour in New Zealand, I met a guy. I was buying guitar strings at a guitar shop and he claimed to have been in the Chills. Oh. Everybody, every New Zealand, there's not many people there. So uh, everybody knows each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. The sense gotten from talking to people that are in music scenes in places like Auckland. It's a, it's yeah. a music community.
2: There's really not that many people there. Uh, you know, we played a show in Auckland. And then two weeks later, we're on the uh, southern part of the island. And we ran into the promoter of our show on on vacation with his wife. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. Yeah, so.
2: It's that kind of place. i
1: Like a little soul on your things. i
0: All right everyone, we're back. We heard And chatted about Austin's awesome record picks. Everyone, again, The Wonder Years of Austin Austin Leonard Jones, Volume 1 and 2, is out now. Two cassettes and a book called Deep Ends. Cool little sticker set as well. You can put those stickers on whatever you want. You can get it via (laughs) perpetualdoom.bandcamp.com. Or you can go to the Perpetual right. Doom website, which I believe is perpetualdoom.com. Also, everyone get a Doomer hat as well. I have one of those from the label. Oh, yeah. Do you have one of those? I do. I got, I got a yellow one. Yeah. Yeah. I got a Navy one. So we'll have to wear them at the same time, <laughs> yeah. sometime soon. You could get that at perpetualdoom.com, everyone. Austin, so I'm getting excited for this new record coming yes. out early next year. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about it. When th- do you have a release date? Or you, know, I don't have a release date because apparently there is a a, uh,
2: a uh, delay in vinyl pressing yeah, time. So, so that's, that's been, been put, put off. off. Uh, I don't have it at the. I don't have a release date. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited for people to hear it uh, because it's a. My first serious country album.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited as well. Any uh, live dates planned? I know, yeah. even a month ago, things were looking better, and now it's kind of confusing about I, what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I, I, I have something booked for October third with the another perpetual doom uh, band called the Dayton Swim Club. That's uh, my friend Nick Fless's band in Los Angeles at the Club
0: TG. And, nice uh, those are my initials yeah there you go. Tom Gallo everyone We'll be at the club Tom Gallo so <laughs> well that's exciting so everyone that's on October 3rd uh more info about that check out Austin on Instagram Facebook you could find all of that information about shows and stuff there Austin. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I love the new compilation. Everyone get it.
2: Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much.
0: We're going to wrap things up with one more track from the compilation. This song is called Mexican Cat Dance.
3: up his eyes They hired me and Fred and Joe dig the grave and carry up some chairs It took us seven hours and I guess we must have drunk a case of beer I guess I ought to go and watch them put them down but I don't own a suit Anyway, when they start talking about fires and hell, well, I get spooked. I'll just sit here in my truck and act like I don't know when they pass. Anyway, when they're all through, I've got to go to work and move.